I would have to consider the Ark Fellowship as my home church. And I don't say that every church I attend. To, to the brother, we have 306 churches in South Texas. So don't tell any of the other 305 churches I said that. But I, I leaned over to Pastor Angela and I said, uh, there's a sweet presence of the Lord in this place. And, and, uh, and I have to say it's attributed to leadership. Because uh, he knows he is welcome here. Amen. Let me just mention, uh, before we get into the word today, that... I I brought some product with me. Um, one of the joys that I've had is to be able to express myself in writing. And um, so uh, about seven years ago, I've been district superintendent for 11, but I guess probably eight years ago, I, I went through a difficult season and um, and I was lacking joy. Anybody know what that is? The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Um the Bible says that his strength is perfected in our weakness and his grace is sufficient. And I knew that, but I didn't feel that. So uh, I, I began to just go through the routine and the ritual. I could do my job. I knew God's word. I knew it was true, but I needed something from God. So for 365 days, the Lord would, would awaken me in the middle of the night. And give me a visitation with him. It was, um, so if, if you're not serious and you lack sleep, don't ask for this. It, but, but it was, it was one of the most refreshing times because he gave me just a, an insight into his, his person. And, and I would, after about the first week, I'm a little slow, so it took me a week, I began to journal. I began to write down what he would give me, and there would usually be a verse of Scripture that would sustain me through whatever I was facing that day or the next day, and he would give me an accompanying lyric to a song, and sometimes those songs were so far removed from my present. And this happened for 365 mornings, and after about a week or two, I told my wife, Jill, I said, this is what's happening, and I've... I've she said, I, you've not wakened me at night or anything. I said, well, I've slipped into the restroom because it's quiet, not going to be disturbed, not going to disturb you. And she said, you need to write this and you need to make it available. And when she did, she said, what are you going to title this? And uh, she suggested songs from the throne. <laughs> but I vetoed her and made it my Jesus journey. And so it has truly been a journey. I get to sleep now from time to time, but God still wakens me in the middle of the night. And so there's four volumes of my Jesus journey daily devotionals. Uh, it's interesting that you're also studying Ephesians because I've just finished a book on Ephesians. Uh, I have a, a book back there on prayer, on the Holy Spirit, Philippians. It's entitled My Privilege of Joy. Also a book on Revelation because so many people have questions about how this is all wrapping up in this crazy world in which we live. Um, that's all available back there. My wife has a devotional book for ladies um, as she serves as women's director of the district. I say all that to tell you that 100% of what you make yourself available to back there goes to missions. We don't take any of that. And so uh, thank you so much for your support. If it will be a blessing to you or someone else, a great time to buy some Christmas gifts as well and let the, the proceeds go to missions. Um, we, we are so blessed 
and we are blessed to be a blessing. So um, let's be blessed by the word of the Lord this morning. Why don't you stand with me as we look to the word of God and honor him today? I want to turn our attention for a few moments to Isaiah chapter 61. This is a message the Lord has given me specifically for today. It says this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our Lord, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called the oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Praise God for his word. You can be seated. So much could be said today uh, concerning this beautiful and powerful passage of scripture. But I want to focus our attention for a few moments on what verse number one begins with. To bind up the broken hearted. He has sent us. To bind up the broken hearted. In Luke's gospel, Jesus is preparing to make a very significant statement. He is, he is about to make an announcement to the world. This long awaited promise, this long anticipated fulfillment of ancient prophecies. The, the prophecy that there was a Messiah coming into the world who would give us hope. That there was a Messiah coming to the world that would remove death. Listen, if there's ever been a message that's relevant in our crazed, fear-stricken world, it's this message today. And Jesus had waited for the perfect opportunity to stand and declare, the time has come. The time is now. So imagine with me, Jesus takes the ancient scroll of Isaiah and he begins to read. They thought it was just another day in church. They thought it was just going to be another day in the synagogue. But Jesus begins to read in verse 18 and look what he said. The spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner and recovery of sight to the blind. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. But he didn't stop there. He said this. Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now imagine the emotion. Let me just say, I'll apologize up front. Because I get excited about the word of the Lord. Okay? So it's okay if you do. It's not going to disturb me. But can you imagine the, the emotion that filled the room? Because no one had ever made such a claim. Because no one had ever checked all the boxes of messianic promise and prophecy. But here's Jesus. He was born in Bethlehem's manger. He was, he was born of a virgin named Mary. The angels announced his arrival. He lived a sinless life. And he arrives at this place having just been baptized in the river Jordan by John. And he says, today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. 
he makes this statement, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. This was not just a message that was needed when Jesus made it that day, but is the condition of all mankind in 2021. Brokenheartedness. I think everyone is dealing with something that's heartbreaking. It's the great disability of our culture in 2021. It's the broken heart that we struggle with the most. It is the great significance associated with the heart. When Jesus was asked this statement, what is the greatest commandment of all? The religious people thought they were going to stump Jesus with such a question that maybe he would have to search the database of his mind. And, and how, because how do you prioritize what is the greatest commandment of all? Because they're all pretty good. Like thou shalt not kill. How many of you would agree that's good? Thou shalt not steal. That's a good one, especially if it's my stuff. Hello? Thou shalt not commit adultery. How do you really weigh and answer this question? But notice with me, Jesus doesn't even hesitate for a moment to consider his options. But his response is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And him only will you serve. And then he said this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And then he said, the second is like unto the first. Come on, hear me today. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. Because Jesus knew what he was talking about. He knew that every single command in Scripture falls into one or two of these categories. Loving the Lord your God with everything that's within you and loving your neighbor as you love yourself. But can I be honest with you today? How many of you think it's great if the superintendent is honest? That's not, that's not an easy task. It's impossible at times, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength. How many of you would agree with me today? Come on. The rest of you straighten your halo a little bit. Because it's a challenge at times controlling the heart. Especially when you consider the many times that your heart has been broken. You can't do things with a broken heart that involves wholehearted effort. To provide a wholehearted effort to anything in life, it's impossible to do it when your heart is broken. With all the crazy that's going on in our world today, you are either sitting here in this service with heart condition of brokenness, or you know someone who is. It manifests itself, however, in a lot of different ways. One way it manifests itself is half-hearted. You've heard people say, you need to put all of your heart into it. You're only giving us a half-hearted effort. The Bible says this, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Double-mindedness is, is a function or it comes from broken-heartedness. It's when the heart doesn't function quite right. Because your heart was meant to function uh, right. And it, it's it, when the heart is, is broken, all the chambers of the heart are not functioning in sync. 
But when the heart is broken, it's unable to accomplish the necessary task. The Bible says out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth is going to speak. In other words, what is inside is eventually going to come out. Come on, now stay with me for a minute. We've all met people who talk out of both sides of their mouth. We've met people who are double-tongued. They say one thing here and they say something else there. That's because their heart is broken. Let me just start meddling a little bit. We've also met people who are two-faced. They are broken-hearted people that somewhere their heart stopped working at full capacity. And at one place or another, there was a laceration of their heart that left them incapable of producing a wholehearted effort. We even refer to people at times as being hard-hearted. We've perhaps even called someone cold-hearted, which is a reference to death or a paralysis of passion. You perhaps have called someone warm-hearted. That refers to life. Listen to me today. It doesn't matter if you or someone that you encounter is half-hearted, double-tongued, two-faced, hard-hearted, cold-hearted. I've just come here today to tell you that Jesus is here to bind up the broken-hearted. I said Jesus can bind up the broken heart. Hallelujah. He specializes in, in binding up the broken hearts. I had a friend that re- revealed this story to me recently. He said there was a man who suffered for five decades of a condition of brokenheartedness. A situation that happened five decades or more prior when his single mother entrusted him the care of his younger brother while she ran to the grocery store to pick up a few items. He wasn't interested in babysitting because he had plans with the neighborhood kids. When she left, he took his brother and he got involved in a game of basketball, occasionally checking on the little brother. A little time passed, and all of a sudden they heard the sound of a daily train zipping past their nearby neighborhood tracks. But this time, the whistle blew as the train came to a complete stop. The interrupted players all ran toward the noise, and there he found the body of his little brother alongside the tracks. He said when his mother arrived, she literally collapsed and was in shock. He said he will never forget the pain on her face and the cries from her voice as she cradled the body of the three-year-old little boy. His heart was broken in two when he discovered that his little brother had been killed by that train. And he heard the moans and wailing of his mother as she said, my heart is shattered into a million pieces today. And he knew he was responsible. He said his mother never recovered. And he made this statement, my heart died that day. Listen. You don't know what haunts people at night. We don't know the condemnation that people struggle with. We don't know what breaks people's heart, why they struggle, why they're constantly on the run. But Jesus said, I have come. I have come. Listen, the spirit of the sovereign God is on me. Jesus is a heart specialist. You, the kind of heart that I'm preaching to you today, you're not going to find on an ultrasound. 
You can Google heart specialists, and can I tell you, we have got some of the absolute finest in Houston, but they can't help you with what I'm talking about. Because it doesn't show up on an echocardiogram or an MRI. You can't put your hands around the kind of heart that I'm preaching to you about today. Because if your heart is broken, you can't fix it. You can't see it. You can't touch it. You can't find it. But Jesus stood up that day on the, in the synagogue and he began to open up the ancient scroll. And he said, the spirit of the sovereign God is on me. Because he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Can I just tell you, I think that day Jesus wanted every demoniac to hear him. This day the scriptures fulfilled in your hearing. I think he wanted every woman with an issue of blood to hear me. This day the scriptures fulfilled in your hearing. I think he wanted every Roman centurion with a servant sick at home to hear me. This day things are going to change. Maybe it happened to you when you were four years old. And you were hit with some kind of offense that, that with a blunt force, a chip of your heart went flying. Maybe it happened to you when you were seven years old. And with the sweeping laceration of your heart, another piece fell to the ground. Maybe it happened on the playground of your school when a bully would not leave you alone. Maybe it, it happened when You were sitting in the living room of your childhood home when someone callously wounded you because they were dealing with their own brokenness and individual pieces and chips were flying in every direction. I like what Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26 says. It says, I have come to take the stony heart out of your flesh and to give you a heart of flesh. This is one of the only times in Scripture that flesh is referred to positively. Normally, flesh is a problem. It's dealing with weakness. But here he is saying, I want to give you the heart that you've always supposed to have had. A stony heart means it's become hardened because it's tried to fix itself. Every time you and I become ill, our body kicks in and tries to heal itself. There's a lesson here for the body of Christ. Because when the body of Christ becomes wounded, there are agencies within that should immediately begin to heal. The antibodies in the body will fight infection. There are cells within your body. Do you know where you find them? Do you know where you find them? You'll find them in the blood. Let me remind you today, there is still power in the blood. Come on. There's still power in the blood of Jesus. Come on. There's still wonder-working power in the blood of Jesus. Come on. Your heart will try to heal itself. But the unregenerate nature, the fallen nature of man, doesn't know how. So the heart heals itself the wrong way, and the result is scar tissue. You know what I'm talking about. Once you were very trusting, but now completely suspicious of anybody and everything. The heart that once loved isn't willing to take chances anymore. 
The heart that was kind and compassionate has become cynical and complex. But God says, I'm going to give, I'm going to deal with the stony, broken heart. I'm going to take it out and I'm going to put in a heart of flesh. In other words, I'm going to remove the scar tissue. Come on. Hallelujah. I'm going to remove the pain. God wants to do that for somebody here this morning. To before betrayal, to before trust was broken, to before you were violated and wounded, to before you were hated and victimized. But where do I, where do I start, Pastor Tim? I, I don't even know where to go to pick up the pieces. I don't even know where all the pieces went. You can go back to the place where you know it occurred or you think it occurred and you'll never find all the broken pieces, because what I'm speaking to you about today is it's not a tangible heart. It's intangible. You could go back and spend a day and a half on the mulch in the playground at school. You could go back to the courtroom. You could go back to the hospital where your heart broke, but you'll never find the invisible pieces. Oh, but there is one who can. There is one who can go back to every place your heart has ever been broken, and he sees where all the pieces are, and he knows where they are, and he can gather them all back together. He'll pick up every piece. My my wife... Um, I wish she could have been here today, Pastor. She had a commitment before we scheduled for this commissioning. But um, Jill loves, she loves coffee. When we travel, we don't stop at rest areas on our trips. We stop at Starbucks. Um, she kind of has a radar that goes off. And so during the holidays, depending on what holiday it is for Thanksgiving, for Christmas, for Valentine's, she has her favorite mug, coffee mug. And um, one day she, she, she yelled across the house frantically at me, and I thought, what is going on? When I got to the kitchen, I discovered that her coffee mug, her favorite coffee mug of the season had fallen, and the handle broke off. Well, being the great husband that I am, um, I began to kick into action and I realized, hey, I can take this handle and I can put it back because I've seen the commercials. I know Gorilla Glue works. (laughs) Hello. And I applied a little bit like they told me to and I just held it. Somebody here today. With brokenness, you just need to hold it. You feel like you can't make it. Hold it. Come on. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Be still and know that I am God. Come on, somebody. Hold it together. Just let the Lord put his hands around you. Somebody today, just hold it. Sometimes it's not very comfortable. Another time, she called me and she said, I've dropped my coffee mug, and it has shattered into hundreds of pieces. Do you realize when that happens, you'll find pieces and fragments up under the refrigerator? You'll find them under the stove. You'll find them three rooms over. And if you think you've swept them up or vacuumed them all up, just go barefoot in the middle of the night. You'll find some more. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. But Jesus said, I've come to bind up. 
I've come to put it back together. I want you to know God understands today where every piece of the puzzle is in your life. And he has been gathering all the pieces. If you will allow him, he will sanctify every memory. He will cleanse every thought. He will cast out every fear. And he'll put you all back together. God will take that fake smile away and he'll replace it with genuine joy. Get ready. Weeping may endure for the night. (laughs) I got to say that again for somebody who wasn't awake. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Unspeakable joy, unspeakable joy comes in the morning. Just before we uh, transition toward the commissioning, I want to share with you, I had a, a young girl I, I was youth pastor and music pastor here when I first began in ministry. And I can't believe, Pastor, it's been, um, let's see, 39 years ago. That's not possible. Um, I once was young, but now I'm old. Never seen the righteous forsaken. But I was a youth music pastor, not too terribly far from here. Ministry for me began right across the way in Tomball. I was a youth and music pastor, and um, a young lady came to the office one day, and she said, Pastor Tim, um, my mom wants me to talk to you. I don't want to be here. How's that to start? And I said, Michelle, tell me what's going on. She said, well, I don't want to talk to you about what my mom wants me to talk to you about. Now, you got to imagine, 39 years ago, so I was a little younger, um, a lot more clueless, And Michelle said, um, I don't know if there's a God. And if there is a God, I don't know that I trust him. And I certainly don't know if I want to serve him. And I said, oh, my goodness. Why would you say that? She was part of my youth group. She came every Wednesday. She said, my little sister... She said, you know the story, but my little sister died of SIDS disease, sudden infant death syndrome. And she looked across the desk at me and she said, couldn't God have prevented that? That's a legitimate question. And my response to her was he could have because he's God. She said, then why didn't he? I said, I don't know. She asked me several other questions that were just as as troubling as that. I was in so way over my head. The only thing I could think of was, do you want something to drink? Because I do. I'll be right back. And I ran to my pastor's office and I said to him, you got to help me. I don't know what to say. Because she's right. And he, he wrote on a piece of paper, so... I don't know who you are today. I don't know why God orchestrated my schedule to be available for today other than to celebrate with Pastor. But for somebody that's here today, you need to write this down because you've been having those same questions. And here's the scripture that God wants to remind you. Pastor wrote this down for me, and he slid it across the desk on a sticky note. And I got back to my office. I didn't have a clue what it was going to say. It could have said, for, for, for what I knew, it could have said, Jesus wept when I opened the scripture. Because I didn't know that reference of Scripture. And when I opened 
the, the Bible, and I said to Michelle, in my pastoral voice, we're going to look to the Word of God for answers today. And the whole time I'm thinking, what is it going to say? And so I turned this, the Bible to Michelle, and I'm waiting with bated breath to hear what the Scripture was that Pastor gave us. And this is what it said. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed in God's Word, they belong to us and to our children that we may live them forever. I said, read it again, Michelle. And she read, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed in God's Word, they belong to us and to our children that we may live them forever. She read it about three or four times, and all of a sudden she said, it's secret to me. I'm not supposed to understand. And then all of a sudden, Michelle had a breakthrough. And she said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask. That's fair. And then all of a sudden, Michelle had the breakthrough that somebody here needs to have today. Because Michelle looked across the desk with tears streaming down her face. And she said, when I get to heaven, Pastor Tim, it really won't matter. It really won't matter. Come on, isn't that true? There is enough in God's Word revealed to us that will sustain us through the difficulties of a life. But we spend a lifetime focusing on the things that are secret to us. That we lose the joy. I was standing at our camp, our district camp and conference center, Pastor in Kerrville, you know, I was standing there one day when a gentleman, a lady approached me and she said, I want to meet you. I introduced myself. She said, I know who you are. I just wanted to meet you. And then she looked at me and she said, my husband and I are new to South Texas, just moved here. And she said, I, um, um, he couldn't be here, but my daughters are here with me for this event. Hopefully in the future he can arrange his schedule. She said, he's a physician. Well, normal people would ask, where does your husband practice medicine? But I have issues. And then what came out of my mouth next, I, have you ever had one of those days where you just thought, oh, I wish I could get that back? But my response was, what kind of medicine does he practice? What does it matter? And she said, um, he is a fertility specialist. And tears began to stream down my face because my kids had just told us the doctors say it's medically impossible for us to have children the week prior. And I, I began to cry and she said, what, 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 what? And I told her my story. She said, we want to help. I said, my kids don't live here. In fact, right now they're en route to South Florida where they're going to be in ministry. And she began to cry. And she said, we just moved here from South Florida. She said, the doctor who helped my husband establish his practice is renowned in the field of fertility. Where are they going to live? I said, they're going to live in Fort Lauderdale. She said, his office is in Fort Lauderdale. And I said, well, technically, it's kind of like saying we live in Houston, but I don't. I live in Deer Park or Cypress or whatever. She said, well, technically, his office is in Coral Springs. I said, that's where my kids are going to live. I gave the information to my daughter, and my daughter said, no, thank you, Dad. We've seen every doctor in Texas, every specialist that we've seen have given us the same information. She said, we're not going to do this again. I said, you do what you want to do. 
But I believe this was a divine connection from God. And Abby said um, that, she said when they got settled in Fort Lauderdale in Coral Springs, every day they would leave their apartment and they would drive to their church. They had to pass that doctor's office. (laughs) And the Holy Spirit would just yell out, hello, hello, I'm over here. I'm here to help. Cast your care on me. I care for you. She said for two weeks she couldn't get past it. Finally, one day she drove in, gave the doctor's receptionist the packet of information, told her the story that I told you about the doctor in Texas. The doctor called them that night, and he said, oh, we can make this happen. This is not going to be a problem. And I have to tell you, uh, my, my wife came home last night from San Antonio. My kids have moved back to San Antonio, and they planted a church at the beginning of covid you can imagine. But God's blessing the church, and they brought back, she brought back with her yesterday evening, my four-year-old grandson, Kingston. Last night, I laid down with him, and he said, uh, Pops, I want you to sing with me. That doesn't mean he wants to hear me sing. It just means I want to distract as long as I can because I don't want to go to sleep. I know that, but I humor myself to think he really wants me to sing. And I said, what are you going to sing, King King? He said, I want you to sing, That Is Who You Are. See, he doesn't know the song title is Waymaker. He just knows that whatever he needs Jesus to be, that is who you are. Come on, somebody here today needs to remember that he's a promise keeper. That he's a way maker. He is a light in the darkness. He's whatever you need him to be. That's who he is. And he will not go against his character today. He'll bind up your broken heart. Because the spirit of the sovereign God is on me. So at the time that Kingston was conceived, through vitro fertilization, the doctor said there were two perfect embryos. And uh, he put... Um, He put my family in a little room, and he came out, and he shared the good news with Abby and Nolan. Jill and I were there at the time, and he said, you have two perfect embryos, and we're going to have them. We're going to have them. um, We're going to have them. They're the same age, technically, according to our belief system. Now, think about that for a minute. He said, but we're going to have them born at different times. So Kingston is four. And after church today, my kids will be coming for the holiday with our four-month-old granddaughter, London. I, I just wish you could, be, you could be there, fly on the wall to see the joy. From the heart that was broken, from the heart that was shattered, every time the doctor says it's impossible to see what my son-in-law and my daughter have become with the joy of the Lord. Come on, he has no respecter of persons. He has no respecter of persons. What he's done for us, he'll do for you. Won't you stand with me this this morning? If you're here today and your heart has been broken, because we're about to transition into this commissioning, I'm not going to give you an altar call, but I believe the Holy Spirit's already done the work. I believe he's already speaking to you today. And if you're here today and you just say, Pastor Tim, I so identify with what you shared, and and I, I just need prayer today, lift your hand. Come on, doesn't matter what it is. Yeah, come on, doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter what it is. I don't even know. God already knows. How many of you believe that God can do exactly what his word says? He can bind up the brokenhearted. He can set at liberty those who are held captive. He can proclaim today, today is the day. 
So, Father, in the name of Jesus, you see the hands of those who have lifted their hands, identifying I, I have a heart that's had laceration. I've, had, I've got a heart that has pieces that are broken. I can't do anything about it. I've tried. It wakes me in the middle of the night. But God, I thank you that you can. I thank you today that you can touch my heart. You can remove the scar tissue and you can make me like I have meant to be. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, the sweet presence of the Holy Spirit, the Shekinah glory of God that we sense in this place as we worship today. Lord, I pray that that glory will saturate the individuals with their hands lifted and those that haven't, maybe those that are watching online today. And Father, you'll take care of the brokenheartedness today, that they'll leave this place with a spirit of of, of of praise instead of a garment of heaviness, that they'll leave this place with unspeakable joy, Lord, because they know in whom they've believed. And they know that you are more than able to keep what we commit unto you. Father, will you do it? Because we ask this in the powerful name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, Amen. 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 Do you believe that? Do you believe he can do it? Amen. Why don't you just remain standing, and I'm going to ask Pastor to come at this time along with her family. I'm going to, um, I'll be brief, I promise, but if you need to sit, we certainly understand. In Exodus chapter 3, Pastor Angela, I want you to hear this. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. There are three points here that I want you to take from this. First of all, Moses was the one God called. Egypt was a place and the time was now. Today, as we commission Pastor Angela, we emphatically declare that they, that she is the one. Nobody else. God chose her. She has the spiritual giftings. She has the ability. She doesn't think perhaps she does, but she does. She has the personality. What a gracious lady. She has the experience to pastor this great church. God didn't choose anyone else. God chose her. As the district pastor today, it's my privilege to affirm, to validate, and to confirm. Egypt was the place for Moses and Cyprus is your assignment. It wasn't Houston or Dallas, Cyprus. The time wasn't 1999. It wasn't 2018. It's today. So, Pastor, take heed, therefore, to yourself and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has given you, overseer, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. First Peter says this, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being Lord over those entrusted to you, but being an example. So my question, Pastor, is will you commit to faithfully preach the whole counsel of God? Will you commit yourself to loving this congregation? Let me say continue 
loving this congregation, by praying fervently for those that God has entrusted you. Will you desire to love this congregation with all that's within you? Will you do everything in your power to shepherd this flock by protecting them from false teaching and false teachers? Will you commit to God's leadership according to Scripture by word, deed, and leading them to love Christ and to love his church? So, as an ambassador of Christ, you are to preach and teach the pure doctrine of God's word. You are to comfort the sorrowful, care for the needy, visit the sick, minister to the dying. You are to devote yourself to the study of scripture and carry out the duties and according to the word of God. The Apostle Paul says this in 1 Timothy chapter 3, If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires or she desires a noble task. Now, the overseer must be above reproach, and it goes on and says, also managing the family well. See that his children obey with proper respect. Look here. And then preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. And I would just add this, um, stay completely in the will of God for your life because one book of Jonah is enough. And that's another sermon I'll preach if you invite me back. To the congregation today, by calling and installing Pastor Angela into this position, you have all affirmed that she is the person that God has called to be your pastor. Trusting that God knows what he's doing. Open yourselves fully to her leadership and guidance. When she tries new things, support her. When she does something different than the way it's been done, trust her. When she leads, follow. And in doing so, you not only enable her to be the best pastor, that, but you will also allow yourselves to be the best people the Holy Spirit is calling you to be. So I've got a couple of gifts for you, Pastor. Be the shepherd that God's called you to be. And and then this is just fun. This is one I've decided to, to throw in today. And I'll let your daughter put this on you. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. Be the lady that I know you to be. And I imagine um, there's a great cloud of witnesses right now looking over the portals of heaven, if that's possible, and they're cheering you on, saying, go, go, go. Continue the mission that God's placed in your heart. I want to invite at this time the leadership that have been selected uh, to come and gather around Pastor Angela and her family, and we're going to pray. And I want you as a congregation, I believe this is a staff, but I want you as, as a congregation to stretch your hands toward your pastor and her family. This is a beautiful moment. I, I shared with her this morning when we were back in the office that before the foundation of the world, God looked ahead and he saw November 21st. 2021 and he saw this day can i just say this to you today this is an extremely special gift god has blessed this church with tremendous leadership and this leadership just continues
and she is a gift from God. Treat her as a gift. Will you? Will you do that? Treat her, her family as a gift. Because I'm sure that this day is filled with mixed emotions. But God loves you. God loves you. And uh, you carry on the legacy. Guys, listen to me. You carry on the legacy of your dad. Sister Angela, you carry on the legacy that you've been given. Because one day we're going to stand before Jesus. And he's, he's going to say to you, good, good job. Well done. Good, faithful. You've been faithful over a few. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. That's what we're waiting to hear him say one, one, one day. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, come on, pray with me. Thank you for this precious gift that you've given this church, the form of Pastor Angela, her family. God, I pray that you'll minister to them. First of all, that you'll give them strength today beyond any, any of their own ability. Father, I pray that the insight and the vision and the experience and the leadership and the, all that you've given her, Lord, that's prepared her for such a time as this, Lord, that in the, in the moments, in the hours, uh, early hours of morning, if you need to wake her up to place her on a journey with Jesus, with you, Lord, do that. But let her know that you will never leave her, that you will never abandon her, that you're always with her. Lord, let her know through the, through the hands extended by your people here today that we plan to follow the Lordship of Jesus Christ as you lead us, Pastor. Keep your hand upon her. Wrap your arms around her children today, Lord, and let, let them know that you're here, that you're near. Love on them today throughout this day. Let this be a glorious time. Lord, where with this, this uh, ministry hasn't put a period, but it's just put a comma and it's continued on. Because you have given strategic leadership to this family to lead for such a time as this. And Lord, I just pray, I pray and speak prophetically that you will speak to the next generation of, of, of family. That they'll also carry on the ministry and the torch that you have called this family to in Cyprus. We give you praise for them. For we ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 I just want to thank everyone. I'm not going to keep you longer than necessary, but I just need to let you all know that when the Lord told me the mantle had fallen and I was to pick it up, I argued with him that I wasn't able to. But it was only for about a day or so that I told him I would. Because the work has to continue. The vision has to continue. He said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. That is our mission. That is the vision. And that's what we are going to continue to do. Job chapter 17 verse 9, the New Living Translation says, The righteous keep moving forward. No matter what the enemy does, we will not move backwards and we will not stand in the same place. We are going to keep moving forward. We are going to keep doing great works for the Lord. You and I together, 
I need you. Cypress needs you. Houston, Texas needs you. The whole world needs us. So as we do this together, I've not done this before. It's going to be a new thing for me. It's going to be a new thing for you. But we are going to do it together. And God is going to be leading us. Amen? Let's just pray as we close today. We're going to go back and do the offering, but I just want to pray over you, pray over this church. Father, I thank you for what you're doing. Father, I thank you for the new chapter, for the new beginning. Father, I thank you because you are with us. You said you will never leave us, you will never forsake us. No matter what the enemy does, our confidence is in you. Our confidence is in your word. You are a healer. You are a deliverer. There is nothing too hard for you. So, Lord God, as a church today, and as the leader of this church, this body, Father, I decree, O oh God, blessings over everyone. Father, I decree that your word will be our, our, our thing, our thing that we hold on to, our staff that we hold on to. Your word will go by your word. The Holy Spirit will guide us. We lead us into all truth. To you be all the praise. To you be all the glory. In Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen and Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. How many of you just stand together today with